Psalm 69, uh, we're, uh, it's our practice to get through somewhere uh, wherever we are. And uh, once we're done reading wherever we are, the next week we pick up right there. So um, where we've gone all the way through the first 68 Psalms, we're picking up here. And Lord willing, we'll get through one, two, maybe three tonight. And, uh, and uh, then we'll pick up there next week. So uh, I love having that template. Uh, I'm, I, as I've shared with you, I'm not very creative. Um, if you want to torture me, give me a white piece of paper and be just say, paint something. And I have no idea what I would do. Even now, it, it, it's, uh, but I love the simplicity of just being in the Word together, that we can spend time in the Word. Um, spoke with a, a lady this morning that uh, uh, after the service, and I was so blessed that she, she just came up and said, I just, I, I want to know what this means. You know, she, she had come from uh, a Roman Catholic background and uh, didn't know the scriptures. And uh, so she shared that with me. And she's like, I just, I want to know what this book says. Uh, that, now, don't get me wrong. I know Catholics that know the word very well. Um, but oftentimes, and, and oftentimes even in, in um, a Protestant churches, non-denominational churches, the word isn't taught. Uh, there might be, you know, a, a verse or two and then three points in a poem, or uh, I, I think those things have their place at times. But God has given us this precious word. And when we can get into this together and let it mold us, let it shape us and guide us, correct us, all those things that I just said in our prayer, uh, the, the word meets us in any situation that we're at in our lives. And uh, the Lord will speak to us through it. You know, when, when we understand that Hebrews says that the word is alive and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why when we read it and it cuts our hearts, that's a good thing. It's a good thing when the Lord ministers to our hearts. We're like, ah, that kind of hurts. But I understand why God is, is grabbing a hold of my heart right now because I maybe there's something that we need to let go. We need to turn from in our life, whatever it is. Or I need to go do whatever it is. That God is so faithful as a father to use his word to, to move us in the direction we're supposed to go. So when we get into uh, this together, this is this is a supernatural thing that we're doing. Have you ever thought of it that way? Um, I know we haven't even read a verse yet, but, <laughs> but have you ever thought of it that way, that getting into the Word is a supernatural thing? We're looking at uh, something that's made from a tree. You know, it's a tree that's been knocked down and it's been through a process and it's become paper and then ink goes onto this paper. And that ink is the word of God that has been translated for us and that we can read it and that it changes our lives, brings freedom from addiction. It brings uh, re a restoration when we've failed. It's, it's, uh, it helps us when we're praising God. You know, it comforts us when we're going through hard times. The word is alive and powerful. Now, I'm not saying like we're like like there's it, it, we're going to experience something weird while we're here. But there's something about getting into the living word that it ministers to our soul. And that is supernatural that we can get together and look at a supernatural book together it is a powerful thing. So as we as we jump into this together. I, I, I always look forward to what the Lord has for us. So Psalm 69, uh, the, the heading in my Bible says, An urgent plea for help in trouble. And it says, To the chief musician set to the lilies, 
a psalm of David. Now, this psalm begins with with uh, David crying out to the Lord, with David seemingly sinking, and by the end of it, he's singing. Uh, so this is a pretty neat psalm to go through because how often do us do, do we when we're in a situation where we go to the Lord and say, God, this is overwhelming me in my life. And we go to the Lord and we and then we're pouring out our hearts to him and he's saying everything uh, and we're saying everything to him and he's listening to us. And in the end, we see that he took care of whatever it is. And then we lift our voices and praise to him. So when we when we. Uh, you look at these things and we see that David starts by saying, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry and my eyes fail while I wait for God. I mean, that's a heavy spot to be in, right? Where his, his cry to God is, save me. Save me, Lord. Save me, O God, from waters that have come up to my neck. You guys ever been in water up to your neck, right? And you're just doing this. So it's uncomfortable, isn't it? You're, you're like, okay, if I take the next step, is my, is, am I going to go here? Uh, my old job, um, I, I worked in military recruiting the last 18 and a half years of my career. And uh, my old supervisor says, you know, right now, you know, those times when you feel like you've got a nostril out of the water <laughs> and that's it, right? We have a nostril sticking out and that's everything else. The, the waters are coming over and we can just barely get a breath, right? That's David is in that situation. That's what he's, he's looking at, what he's reflecting upon as he's writing this. He's saying, save me, O God, you know, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire, that mire, that muck. Uh, the the dirt the the mud what he's saying he he it's rising it's coming up here and it's it's heavy and he's crying out to the Lord uh, where there is no standing can't get his foot under him I mean if if you look at what the picture that's painting that's a that's a powerful spot to be in that's a very vulnerable and helpless spot to be uh, just to realize I'm completely helpless. And then we cry out to the Lord and he answers. He hears. He says, I've come into deep waters where uh, the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. I'm weary with my crying. I'm exhausted. You know, when he says uh, my my throat is dry, where he's cried out so much that his voice just doesn't even want to go with him anymore. You know, we uh, uh, we can get to those points in our lives where we, we, you know, there's the expression, I'm all cried out. You know, I just, there's nothing left in me. And now I just have to wait for the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is a good thing. That means that we're trusting him and, and we're waiting. He might take a while. That might, we might need to go through that, that trial for a time, being put in that fire for a while, right? Because what is when you put metal in the fire, what does it do? It purifies it, right? Comes out red hot, and when that and the the all the junk is burned off and it's red, and now it can be molded and it can be shaped. A wonderful song. Uh, I know I've shared this with you before by Bebo Norman. Uh, this was like a 20 year old song that I know of, and he's talking about being a shapeless piece of steel. That's all I claim to be. And he's talking about that time where, you know, in his life where he's been put in the fire. And when he's come out, and, and uh, this song's called Hammer Holds. 
you know, the, the it comes out of the fire and then it gets shaped and bang, 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 you know, and then put back in the fire and being, you know, that's how the Lord ministers to us. That's how he changes us. You know, when, when James tells us to consider it pure joy, when we're going through various trials, it's, as you've heard me say, it's because trials aren't fun, right? We have to consider it pure joy, knowing that on the other side of it, there are blessings. <clears throat> My wife was sharing with me after church today, we were driving, and she was telling me there was this situation where someone wanted to be lewd in public. And I had went up and was talking to police officers. Can I do this in public? Can I do this in public? Well, you need to be doing this. this it, it, stupidity, and that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to wreck anybody's mind. And they're like, well, uh, you know, according to the law, yes, as long as you're not doing X, Y, and Z, then uh, yes, you can be lewd in public, which I disagree with anyways. But then they, uh, they, they cut to somebody who's reading the scriptures and someone's in the background just playing some worship music and they get arrested for doing that. You know, think of that. And when my wife told me that, I was like, praise God. <laughs> you know, it's kind of looked over and I'm not like I'm this great wizard of words or anything. But but it was what came to mind as soon as she said that was Jesus said, "Are blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are you, you know, when you're when you're persecuted, when you're going through those hard times. So even if we're going through something hard for the right thing, when we've done the right thing and we don't understand why am I going through this? Why does it feel like the floodwaters are coming up? Why am I uh, getting this opposition and, and everything? And I'm crying out to God, why is this not, uh, why is this happening in my life? Trust the Lord and continue on doing what we're called to do. We may be called to to speak when when it's not lawful to do so. You guys remember during, during COVID, uh, you know, this, this church was open and, uh, and, uh, and Will was saying that as the church was open, uh, it was in defiance of, of, of the governor's orders and because we have a right to serve the Lord and to worship. We, we have that constitutional right that can't be taken away from us. There are times where we need to do the right thing and it might uh, we might face some persecution in the background or we might feel like that water's coming up. We need to just stick with the Lord, trust in him and call out to him. Verse 4, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Now, for some of us, that's more than others, right? But we get the point, right? <laughs> he throws up his hands, right? Some of us have more hair on our heads than others. That's fine. But we get the point, right? That what he's saying is they're innumerable. There, there are so many enemies against me. They are mighty who would destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. So he's saying, even though I've done nothing wrong, I have enemies. And that may be the case for us. And what does David do? He just cries out, verse 5, Oh God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who, who wait for you, O Lord uh, God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel, because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I've become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother, mother's children, 
because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches from those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit at the gate speak against me, and I am the song of drunkards. I mean, that's a heavy situation to be in. You know, he had just said that, that his enemies were more than the hairs on his head. And then he goes on and he's saying, God, don't let me be the reproach of, of those that fear you and that, that, that love you. Don't let, uh, he says, uh, verse 7, because of your sake, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. So he's being persecuted for the sake of the Lord. And when he's sharing these things, he says, I become a stranger to my brothers. Now, this part, verses 8 and 9, may sound familiar. Because within this psalm, uh, understanding that this is a messianic psalm. And uh, when, when we look at some of these verses, when they, they stick out, uh, and, and you may you may look and go, oh, wait, that sounds familiar. Like in verse 8, uh, it may sound familiar where it says, um, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. If you remember in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, uh, Jesus' brothers were telling him to go. Depart from here. They're saying because of their, it says in verse 5, because they didn't believe in him. They're saying, why don't you take your magic show on the road? Why don't you go and why don't you make your name known? Because they didn't believe in what he was saying. And what they're doing is saying, hey, why would you do these things and not get praise for it? Go take your disciples and show them. But it says they were doing this because they didn't believe in him. Verse, uh, when we consider something like verse 10, when it says, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. Now that weeping and fasting, uh, that, that tells you the situation that he's facing was so overwhelming that he, his, he, was, he lost his appetite and he was just weeping and he's going and praising, uh, praying to God and even foregoing eating, sometimes drinking. We don't, we don't know what he was abstaining from. But uh, food and water would be the most common. Now, uh, when it comes to fasting, it would be uh, if the Lord is leading you to do so. You've got something uh, very heavy on your heart or a circumstance that's coming up in life that you really want to hear clearly from the Lord and spend more time with him in prayer and in the word. Then what it is is we would take the time that we would be eating or we would be doing something else. And uh, through that time, maybe consider it like look at a lunch break. Um, that uh, instead of eating lunch that day, going for a walk. You get that half hour or hour off, go for a walk or go grab your Bible and spend that time in the Word seeking Him. That, that uh, as you're doing that, because that, 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 uh, that um, forcing our flesh and denying our flesh so that we can seek God, is, uh, that, that helps us to, to have better control of how we live our lives it helps us in our weakness. God is made strong. There's so much that happens when we fast, when we deny ourselves the basic necessity. Now, build ourselves up. You know, don't look in, in, into uh, you know Jesus's example of 40 days without food and water, uh, without having building your body up. 
I've never gone 40 days without food and water. I'm not recommending anybody to do that. Okay, but what I'm saying is if there is a time where you say, I need to spend this whole day with the Lord. I need to grab my Bible. I need to take the day off from work, and I need to hike up this mountain, or I need to go to this quiet place, and I'm not going to be bothered with eating, drinking for that day, or whatever it is, and spend that time with the Lord. That would be chastening our body. That would be telling our body what we're going to do and not obeying our fleshly lust to eat. Not that it's wrong to eat, but what we're doing is we're spending, we're denying ourselves that time so that we can focus on the Lord, if that makes sense. Okay? Because, and, and then it goes into say in verse 11, I also made sackcloth my garment. I, I have become a byword to them. So these are the heaviness of what he's saying. Now look at verse 12. Those who sit in the gate speak against me. I am the song of the drunkards. You know, I'm the one they make fun of. Right? As they're singing, they're making and drinking and they're drunk, they're making fun of me. That's what he's saying. You know, or, or the one that they're going to come after. You know, to be the one that's mocked, the one that's persecuted. You know, I that's what he, he's he's saying here that they 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 uh, sing of me as they're getting drunk. Now, um, it, before we move on, uh, in John chapter fifteen, uh, verse twenty-five, uh, Jesus was speaking of of hatred toward him because in verse four it says, "Those who hate me." Uh, uh, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head being hated without a cause. And uh, that's when Jesus said in John 15, 25, he says, but this happened. And what he's speaking of is uh, in verse 24, it says, I had not done among them. If I had not done the works, uh, sorry, among them, the works, which no one did, uh, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So this this psalm is prophetic in and of itself. There are prophecies hidden within it. Powerful things. They hated me without a cause. You ever been to the point where you're like, I don't know why somebody hates me. Sometimes, right? Uh, you know, there are times where you're like, yeah, I can see why somebody would be angry with me. Yeah, And then there are other times where they're like, this person's really mad at you. Why? Because they've got themselves all spun up over usually nothing, right? Then we have that conversation with them, and it was nothing. But they've just spun themselves up, or they just say, hey, you know what? I don't like the guy. I don't like that girl, and they've, they've, they've got a bone to pick, and you didn't do anything. There's a lot there. Speaking of messianic uh, uh Verses, verse 9 says, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. Does that one sound familiar? Probably does. Remember when Jesus cleansed the temple? They said, wait a minute. This is like, like where it says in the Psalms, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So it's in in through here. You know, David, as he's writing this, uh, you know, was writing about what he was doing, but it was also prophetic, or he was going through, but it was also prophetic. Verse 13, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me 
and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Remember what he started saying? As this is happening in my life, the waters are up to here. The mire is about to cover me. He's saying all those things. And now he goes in prayer to the Lord and he cries out. He says, God, this is what's happening to me. I need you to please. He's already said it in the beginning. He says, save me, O oh God. But now he says, but as for me, that's, a, that's an impar- important thing to say. They're laughing at me. They're joking. I'm the song of the drunkards. But as for me, he goes to say here, my prayer is to you. They may be, uh, the, the enemies, what I'm facing may be overwhelming, but I, my prayer is to you. Instead of, of just being helpless and, and, and feeling like there's no uh, way out of this, he says, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. In the multitude of your mercy, right? We're asking for God's mercies, right? We want God's mercy. You know, when we're uh, going through, uh, maybe going to go on a long trip, it's often, uh, you know, that, that we'll say, hey, God, you know, in your mercy, please give us travel mercies as we're tra- traveling. You know, in your mercy, cover me. That's a, a, a biblical prayer. Uh, just saying, hey, you know what? Cover me in your mercy. We say it every day. But your mercy, your grace, your love cover me every single day. We want God's mercy to cover us. Deliver me, verse 14, out of the mire and let me not sink. Remember he was saying he felt like his foot was was slipping. And he's saying, this is all going. And then he's like, it's like there was a, a light a light bulb that went off. But as for me, wait a minute, God is my help. And uh, and as he's writing here, now he says, do not uh, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me uh, out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me. Let not the deep uh, sorry, the uh, let nor let me swallow us. Uh, sorry, Lord, let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. It's Sunday evening. <laughs> I try to play a song with my electric that I can only play on my acoustic. Bear with me, okay? Um, but it, it's it's that cry out to the Lord that floodwaters wouldn't overflow. They feel like they're overflowing, but let them not. You know, I know they could, but I pray to you and I ask that they won't. You know, let not the deep swallow me up. I could say it real easily there, right? The deep swallow me up. That I would, I would be consumed and, and, and that would be the end of me. Let it not happen. Verse 16, hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. There he says it again. The multitude of your tender mercies. Before he said your mercy, this is your tender mercies. I need your, your tender hand. These guys are being harsh toward me. I need your tenderness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Verse 17. And do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. That cry and trusting God. We've seen multiple things like this, right? I mean, we're on, this is the 69th Psalm we're reading. He's often crying out like this. This isn't anything that we haven't seen here. But I love the reminders, according to your the multitude of your tender mercies. The multitude of them, right? 
guys ever been to the point where you're like, God is still being merciful to me? He's still being merciful. And we can look back on our life and go, I, I have done this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and I've done that, and God is still merciful to me. No, we shouldn't continue that we're just sitting there going, well, I hope he's merciful to me because I'm not changing, right? That mercy should drive us to repentance, right? When we understand his mercy and his grace and his love, it should drive us to the point where we're going this way in our life. To repent needs to t means literally to turn in the other direction to take a U-turn and, and turn toward Christ, that when we, when we can understand his mercy, that it would save us. Some of us have been saved from the, the clutches of death. We've almost got to that point. But God in his mercy has saved us and preserved us, right? And he's brought us back. When we understand that God is pouring out his tender mercies, I mean, think of the opposite, right? The chastisement of God, the correction of God, God uh, whom God loves, he chastises, right? That that spanking on the butt, right? That that we might need in life. I know when I was a kid, didn't take many of those for me to learn. Right? Take some of us more. You know, I uh I, I won't I won't say his name, but I you know, a close relative, man, did he take himself through the hard, hard, hard road. You know, there's the school of hard knocks, and then there's like the guy that built that school <laughs> you know, that's just sitting there like, oh, look at all you guys coming into what I built. You know, I've seen that. I've seen the hardship. I've seen those things happen there. And for me, uh, when I would see somebody else go through it, I would look and I'd go, okay, what not to do right there? What not to do? And I'd learn from it. Verse 19, you know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. You know, I looked for one that would comfort me. You know, to, to be in, in the, lo like the lowest spot in life and there's nobody there. But David understood that God was. You know, there was nobody else there. All else had fail failed him, but God hadn't. And he can write to the Lord. He said, when, he looks, when you look at a verse like verse 20, it says, Reproach has broken my heart. Broken my heart. You know that that point. We've all been there, I'm sure, in our lives where we felt that heartbreak. Something that is just so heavy on us. It hurts. Oftentimes at the death of a, a loved one or uh, when we've uh, just, when we've tried so hard for something and still failed. Right? That, that brokenness of heart. You know, when David is saying that, you know, I'm full of heaviness. Full of, just, just think of full of sickness. You could look at it that way. It's making me sick. My heart's broken. I feel sick. I just need help. I just need the Lord. And he knows that the Lord is his help. I looked where he, where he says that those, I looked for uh, those who would have pity on me. There were none comforters there and I found none. 
They also gave me gall for food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar. That might sound familiar, like in Matthew 27, verse 8. After the Lord cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What did they offer him? Sour vinegar, right? Verse 22, let their table become a snare before them and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents. For they persecuted the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Wow. <laughs> this, this is just praying. You know, these people had done him so much wrong. He's like, God, you take care of them. You take care of them. You know, give them, you know, if this is how they're going to live their lives, as violent as they are, and, and they're after my life, God, you deal with them. And he's, he's praying for God's judgment to be poured out on them. Verse 25 may sound familiar. Acts 1.20 uh, uh, explains that Judas... When he hung himself, this is the, the, the field of blood, the dwelling place be desolate. You know, there's, this is messianic all, all through this psalm. Very heavy. Verse 29, but I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. So we see the change of what's happening. There's how he's feeling, and, and he's pouring his heart out to the Lord, and he's saying that he trusts God, and he's saying, God, I can't take care of them. You take care of them. And if David had his way, this would be that would be their result, that their names would not be written. You know, and so David just puts them before the Lord and says, you take care of them, Lord. Now, when we see here, but I am poor and sorrowful, let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the, the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull, which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad. And you... Who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. I, I go, go back and look at verse 31. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull. Magnifying him, living our lives, praising God, pointing to him. That when our, our life is a reflection of him, by the way we're living and by what we're saying is magnifying God and glorifying God. That is, it, what did, what did uh, Samuel say to Saul when Saul was um, uh, rejecting God's word? And he's like, hey, let's go sacrifice. You know, Saul's trying to, to, to butter uh, uh, 
Samuel up. And he's like, hey, why don't we just go sacrifice together? And he goes, no, 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 no. To obey is better than to sacrifice. You're better off just to obey. It's more precious in God's sight for someone to obey him than to disobey and then have to sacrifice, is what he's telling him. It is better to obey God. And that obedience here, he says, um, this, uh, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull. As we're magnifying him, as we're glorifying God with the way we live our lives. When we can tell the story of God, like I said earlier, saving us from addiction, from God turning us uh, from uh, disobeying him and, and seeing the destruction that's happening in our life. You know, when God restores a broken marriage, when God is uh, just restoring us as we've just made disasters of our lives, that we wouldn't say, yep, and I got it all turned around. No, that we would say it was the tender mercy of the Lord that turned me around and God restored me and God and God and God, that, that our praise would be God, that we would be magnifying him. That is more precious in God's sight than to go and, and try to make things right and try to... Uh, try to please God by doing things to cover up the bad thing. If we just do the right thing the first time, then we don't have to do the whole, uh, and we talked about that today, uh, earlier this morning, that, that we're saved by grace through faith, by God's uh, uh, you know, unearned favor is what saves us and what forgives us as we believe in Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. If we understand that, we're not going to try to do a bunch of good stuff to try to cover the bad stuff. Um, as, as I said uh, this morning, I, having grown up Catholic, uh, there was a, a big uh, leaning on, on are you good enough to make it to heaven? Because if you're not, you might end up, well, okay, so you don't go to hell, but you're going to go into purgatory and sit there and wait. That's not biblical, guys. No, we either have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we enter heaven based on his goodness, on his righteousness, and because of our relationship with him, or if we reject him, then he rejects us. That's it. That's that's the sum of what it is. Saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any one of us should boast. But when we are boasting in him and we're glorifying him, it's precious to him. Verse 34, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion, Israel, Jerusalem, and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. Also the descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Remember that this started with him sinking, right? He can't get his feet, and it's coming up to his neck, and in the end of it, he's praising God. So he's, he's, he's been through that overwhelming process. Then he pours his heart out to the Lord and he sees that God's going to take care of it and he ends with praise, right? That's, that should be for us our template when we have something overwhelming us instead of saying, well, it's overwhelming me, I'm just going to give up. Well, if we're going to give up, it's dropping to our knees and saying, God, I can't do this. Not saying, well, God can't take care of this. He can't do this, so I need to just give up and, you know, why am I even walking with it, right? That's what our enemy would want from us. Is it for us just to just tuck tail, walk away, and, oh, okay, well, that was cute for a little while. Now I'm going to go about my day and go do other things. But what do we see was the result of David saying, this is completely overwhelming, and it's a hopeless and helpless situation. I need God to take care of my enemies, 
and I'm going to pour my heart out and ask him to, and then I'm going to praise him. That When we see that template out there, so if we find ourselves at that point, turn to Psalm 69 and start reading it. And then when he is taking care of that, we can understand, like, he's, like he did at the end of this, that the praise is due to God for what he has done. Understand that in our suffering and hardship, we become more like Christ. Because as we're talking about that purifying process, we grow and, and, and God is, is taking things away from us. When we feel like we're being swallowed up, trust in him like that's that, that, that song I was telling you about, The Hammer Holds by Bebo Norman. I, I don't get credit or anything, but I, I love that song and you would be blessed to listen to it. Oh, it's one of my favorite songs ever written. And uh, Jen and I actually got to listen to him, went to a third day concert and uh, had no clue who this guy was. There was uh, an, an Australian band, I can't remember their name, uh, Paul Coleman Trio. They came out, remember them? Yeah, Paul Coleman Trio. And then there's Bebo Norman by himself with his guitar. And he sang that song. And it was an amazing, it, was, it just drew us in. And I'm like, I got to buy the CD right now because I can't forget that song. But that's a song when we understand, when we're going through a trial, man, that song has blessed me and spoken to me. You know, that I understand, you know what, if this is where I can look and go, okay, I'm not, this isn't a result of sin. This isn't, no, you know, so if, I, if I'm looking and I'm, okay, this isn't God's correction. This must be God testing me. And if he's testing me, I'm going to go to him and say, Lord, help me through this because the fire burns and it's not comfortable coming out and that hammer pounding me. But I know in the end of it, and what, is, what does James say, right? Consider it pure joy. Uh, because the, that, the testing of our faith produces patience. And patience, when it has worked its way in us, brings forth a perfection or, or, or maturity. Like it matures us. It, it brings us to a point where we're more mature in our walk. So we're going through a hard time. Go to the Lord and he's going to take care of it. Psalm 70. A prayer for relief from adversaries to the chief musician, a psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed who confounded me, who seek my life. Let those who turn back uh, be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my deliverer, uh, my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Do you get the point? That, do, you, do you see uh, what's, what's laced in here is, as David's writing this? His impatience. He says, make haste three times. This is five verses. Make haste and don't delay, God. Right? You know, sometimes we, there needs to be a quick prayer. Like, God, I, I need you to take care of the situation right now. And we can. And I've shared this with you. But um, remember back in Nehemiah. Nehemiah hears the words that, that Jerusalem's in complete ruins. And his heart is broken. And Nehemiah's in a spot where he is the, the, the King Artaxerxes' um, uh, cupbearer. 
So this king that that this kingdom that has them uh, uh, captive, he his job is to be right next to the king, and it could cost him his life if he's inconveniencing the king. If the king's day is brought down by him, it could he could just be like, get this guy out of here, go take care of it. So when uh, when Nehemiah is serving the king after he heard this this awful news about um, Jerusalem. The king noticed it, and he asked him. And Nehemiah is describing he's terrified. He's terrified to bring this up to the king. Because not only being down in front of the king is a bad thing, but it also being able to ask for something. You ever been in a spot where you're afraid to ask somebody who's over you or something, right? So this is a heavy situation. And what it says is that when he's asked that, Nehemiah prayed. And he had to pray internally and he had to pray quickly, right? Sometimes we have the time where we can go and we can set aside and we can, we can fast and pray and go through. Sometimes it's, Lord, save me right now. And that's it. That's all we have time to pray. And that's what he did. He cried out to the Lord internally. You know, so if we, if we are, are thinking that prayer has to be, it has to be exactly this every time. I have to go to this place. I have to say these words and, and those things. Be careful of that, the same words, because that's vain repetition. I, I grew up uh, you know, saying uh, what was, you know, what is called, we know it as the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, right? If you say this this many times, or if you say your Hail Marys this many times, those things. Jesus Christ told us that we're not supposed to pray in vain repetition. That God wants us to just speak to him. He wants us to just say those things. When, when God himself is addressing those things, if, if, if I'm talking to you guys and I, and I repeat what I'm saying, you might get a little like, what's he doing? You know, if I say the same first you know, lines and then I, I look at you again and say it, you're going to be like, are you all right? Right? God doesn't need our, he just needs us in our heart to cry out to him. And he understands. We don't have to earn God's, God's uh, you know, ear listening to us. God is near to that broken and contrite heart. That when we cry out to him in desperation, he's, he's, he's right there ready to, to answer that cry of, Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to save me. Be my strength. So what we see here, David writing, make haste, O God, to deliver me and make haste to help me. You know, that, that there's, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely in a spot where he just needs help and he, he's crying out. But he says it three times and then he says uh, at the end, do not delay, right? So then it's broken down. You look at verse 2 and he says, let them be ashamed and compo- uh, confounded uh, who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire uh, my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame. Who say aha aha? You know they think they've 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 got him there. Uh, you know that aha aha is an expression. It's scornful, uh, and uh, when when he's uh, saying those things, is God take care of them? It's very similar uh, as far as just crying your heart out to um, you know, the Lord and what was happening here. Verse four says, "Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified." That as we cry out, let those who seek you rejoice. He's just saying, God, I'm seeking you. Let me rejoice. My brothers and sisters that are crying out to you, let them rejoice and then be blessed. And let those who love your salvation 
say continually, let God be magnified. That God would be magnified at the end of that. Whatever it was that as God has saved and God has worked it, uh, whatever it out uh, it was, out for our good, then we would magnify the Lord. As we discussed with Psalm 69. And look how he ends this, but I am poor and needy. <laughs> Ever been there? Like... <laughs> Feel like feel like you're the poor guy coming up to the Lord every time. Like, Lord, here I am again. I need something else. Right? God wants that. You know, when God says my strength is made perfect in weakness, God wants us. And that that point of being poor and needy, God loves it. He loves to show himself strong in our weakness. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not deliver. Please take care of this, God. You know what I'm facing for a situation. I need your help. I need you to, to minister and to take care of this situation. Cry out, trust God, and let him take care of it. We're going to stop there tonight. Pick up and, uh, Lord willing, next week we'll, uh, we'll go through Psalm 71 and 72, and we'll finish the, the second book of psalms so and then we'll move into book three uh after that all that lord willing of course but uh as i said you know the psalms sometimes uh seem to be uh very similar well david had a lot of enemies <laughs> you know we have a lot of things that happen in our lives so each psalm has its own different flavor though there 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 are several things here that as we're reading uh, and as we're getting into here, we're going to see, hey, I remember, why do I keep crying to God with the same cry, right? It's okay. Just keep keep pressing on. Continue on in our faith. Persist in prayer. Remember, Will uh, Will used to have that on as a bumper sticker on his car for years. Persist in prayer. Loved it. You know, that, that we are called to persist in our faith. Uh, that our faith would continue to grow and we would be built and strengthened. You know, when, when hard times are coming, trust God, go to him, pour it out to him, speak to him what we need to. And God loves it when we do that. And then he'll show himself strong and we end up praising him afterward. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we are blessed that your word ministers to us and encourages us that in times that uh, we may be overwhelmed, we can trust in you after pouring our hearts out to you, that you would take care of whatever it is that we're facing or whoever it is that we're facing. Lord, help us not to get to a point where it is driving us away from our faith. But Lord, in those times that we would draw closer to you, that when times get hard, Lord, help us to get to a point in our faith if we're not there now, that we would get there quickly, where during those times we get excited. We consider it pure joy, even though it's not. But knowing that you are going to make us stronger in the end. And Lord, where your word even says that we can go through things that at the end of that, after we've gone through them, we can help others that have gone through those things. Oh, we thank you for your word and how powerful it is. Let it lead and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.